Welcome back to Anything But A One, Adventures in Historical Miniature Wargaming. For the life of me, I can't understand why anyone would listen to these losers. But hey, it's your life. Here's Tom Castaños, Richard Martinez, and Ray Winstead. Welcome back to Anything But A One, Adventures in Historical Miniature Wargaming. Chantel, lovely as always. Thank you so much. Uh, remember to like and share the podcast. If your podcast uh, app of choice gives you the ability to give us a rating, please give us the five stars, jalapenos, whatever it is that they give you, because it does do work on the algorithm where our show gets seen by more people. And that means a bigger audience, more participation, more new topics. It's helpful. So please uh, take just a moment. Give us the five star rating on whatever app you're using. Uh, Also, you can support us uh, on the buzzsprout.com page. Click the little heart and uh, buy us a beer for as little as $2. You can support the podcast. Or if you're thinking of something a little more regular, patreon.com forward slash ABA and the number one. All of that goes to equipment and hosting costs and all the kind of cool stuff and big jugs of sweet tea and breakfast tacos. So um, the fuel of the anything but a one podcast, breakfast, tacos, and tea. Yeah. Not all sweet tea. We have a couple of people here that like dirt water in a cup, uh, but I drink the sweet tea. Two out of the three. Two actually. out of three, yeah. So, yeah. so proving that the, the minority there. majority doesn't even matter. But um, <laughs> so heaven forbid we be timely about something. Today's topic in our So You Want to Start Gaming series is So You Want to Start Gaming Pike and Shot. With the big announcement from Warlord Games just earlier uh, last week, um, they're going to do epic pike and shot. Now we've and that announcement had nothing to do with us deciding to do this. Absolutely not. Not paid for by Warlord. (laughs) Um, um, You know, so we've not been the kindest to epic scale and i'm the one that always laughs about the fact that everybody hated black powder until they released little tiny miniatures and everybody loved black powder again and it's the same rules <laughs> i also complained that they made all of these amazing little tiny miniatures and you still needed 50 million of them to play any one game the way they made them basically battalions and not regiments or brigades mm-hmm. but you could still use those miniatures for any game you wanted to they're actually pretty awesome little figures i mean they're all Stuck together elbow to elbow, but this time period, that looks that looks correct. So I'm a little ashamed to admit that when they announced they were going to do Pike and Shot, I just lost my mind and already ordered the starter set <laughs> and pre-ordered because this is a game period. So Ray knows this very well. This is the game period that started us playing 28 millimeter. Yes, it is. Because I just stupidly walked into a brick-and-mortar store here in San Antonio one day that had the Battaglia, star, the Pike and Shot starter box yep. that they probably ordered accidentally, and it sat on their shelves, and it was full of dust, and they discounted it 50% off, and I just bought it and went, well, crap, let's play this. <laughs> I didn't even have a particular interest in the time period. I knew a little bit about it. This was more Ray's kind of time period than it mine. Is. And I had campaigned for years. You you lost it when a, I when you found out I bought this. Yes. I 
And that was a set that came with the full hardbound copy of the rules and everything. It was yep. it was nice. It nice. is. So I painted them and I bled as I put together 28 <laughs> millimeter pikes and then quickly discerned that you have to replace them with metal, which is even more painful. Um, yes. I've been wounded by my pikes many times. Yep. Then we found a, a open starter box that Rich bought. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Right? And Rich's son back before he found a life in girls and tattooing and all the things he does now, uh, put them together and played several games with very effectively played several games with us. Um, and we liked it. We, we, had, had, we had fun with those fun. games, but it then began to a problem arose and the problem's name is Ray. Yeah. No, uh, 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 <laughs> Ray, what was your what was the beginning of your difficulties with it, and, we're, and we're talking specifically now about warlord games pike and shot rules with 28 millimeter miniatures it just <laughs> i hate to use this phrase because it harkens back to so many Napoleonic games in the past, mm -hmm. but didn't have enough stuff. Didn't have enough. Could not get enough stuff on the table to really have what would be. I play games to terrorize us. Go no, no. Okay. I, I <laughs> like games. I like games that reflect the books that I read. Right. Fair enough. And. You know, when you're reading stuff like Marston Moore and Edge Hill and, 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 you know, actual battles that have a fair number of troops. Right. And I've got a block of pikes and two little musketeer sleeves. It just is lacking. Then paint something. It wouldn't <laughs> matter. There wasn't enough room on the table. I know. I just wanted to do that. Rich put together, Rich and his son put together yeah, like, most of that starter box and began to paint yep. like the commanded shot and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we yep. had parts of it done. Uh, uh, still mostly an army of gray, but yeah, we had a little bit of color splashed in there. So, so here, a lot of jokes about that, but here's, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to synthesize where we where we begun to began to fall apart with this, and um, Warlord, as they do, created two supplement sets. Hold my calls. Supplement sets for rule sets for Pike and Shot. One that depicted the English Civil War mm -hmm. to kill a king, mm -hmm. and one that depicted the Thirty Years' War, the Devil's Playground. And as we talk about. So you want to get started in Pike and Shot. I think it is very important that you decide which direction of that you're going because they are different. Yeah. They're wearing little floppy hats and they're carrying long pointy sticks. They are different. The percentages of uh, armed, you know, firearm uh, carrying soldiers changes in that 30 years war time period you go from the well, big huge span the 30 years well war, that's what i mean it, during you good. go from the big pike block tercio spanish tercios to you know more and more muskets more and more uh, matchlocks as we go along uh so yeah i think it's important to know which one of those and also 30 years war is going to give you a slightly wider variety of types of troops 
yeah, mm-hmm. than English Civil War will. But if you want to keep it small, if you want to keep it brother on brother, then you've got English Civil War, and that's mighty fun all by itself. But we played with so few units. If, if you go to the uh, To Kill a King rules, they give you a supplement for making the pike block and the muskets a single unit, yes. which it you feel them right into one, which you which, feel is a, a big step into making it more realistic, more faithful to right. the the little period. individual yes. components aren't running off and doing their own thing. Which see the problem that I I saw in our games is because the rules covered such a broad period going all the way up to you know war is turn of the century session. 18th century yeah yes that what the rules allowed affected our gameplay so what evolved over a period of a hundred years, you know, 75 to a hundred years evolved in our gameplay too. We found the most effective way to use those troops. Right. So in the end, we started using what were essentially turn of the century tactics Mm -hmm. in English, in English civil war battles. And it was hard once you once you start learning the more effective way to do something. You're not going to go backwards. Yeah, you don't want to go back to. But is that not true in in so many different kinds of rules too? I mean, you could say the same thing about black powder in general. It is, but then you have to ask yourself: Is it? Are we still really playing? We're using English Civil War figures, but are we still really playing? Lots rich. You've been you've been quiet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I you know. I will distill it to the lowest common denominator for me. I had fun playing the yes. 28 millimeter English I Civil did too. War. Yes. I, 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 I liked the rules then, and I liked the rules yeah, now. I, I didn't see the kinds of problems that Ray, you know, that, that bothered Ray and is talking about now um, as being a big deal in our games. It was, it was small, but mm-hmm. you know, my, in, in my mind, too, like Ray said, he, he reads about the, uh, the Marston Moors and, and the Naseby's and the Edge Hills, but there were a lot of little smaller combats, too. Sure. And in my mind, that's how I rewound and played that it, film, is that we're playing the smaller pieces. It's the age-old it. thing okay. of early on me wanting to play Waterloo right. and Napoleonics versus, yes. it, you know, a right. little portion of Place Noir. I was able to color over a lot of it, the things that, that are bothering, that, you know, Ray said in his mind came uh, uh, after series of games to bother him. I was still just having fun with the rule set. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd done a lot of the reading uh, about the battles and the history, and I was inspired to play. And yeah, I was still having a lot of fun, and and and, and know, still will. I, I, I won't say that I was using the, all the historical tactics and how it should have been done. But then again, you know what? I learned my lesson in Napoleonics. That doesn't always work. That's true. Well, anyway. A rule doesn't, yeah, right. just because. I don't play Napoleonic <laughs> tactics because yeah. in the rules, they don't work that way. You don't do little checkerboard formations because it's not the effective way to run those guys in the game. So allow, allow me to wrap this up for people that are getting interested in doing pike and shot. I think it's really critical that you make up your mind um, what level mm-hmm. of the game. And we've, we've said this with pretty much every single one of these we do, but maybe more than ever as these units 
turn into large, um, not that multi-formational kinds of, you know, we're, we're, we're inching back toward the medieval battle line kind of thing. It's more sophisticated than that, but it's going more that direction than, say, a Napoleonic battle where you're in column and you're in square and you're in line and you're an extended yes. line. Here you're you're in line and you're not in line. Kind of you know, there's hedgehog, there's other things. So maybe more than ever, it's important to decide how big of a game do you want to play, and do you have room to play. Mm-hmm. So twelve point five epic scale is probably better for what most people were not the parries. We don't have the 20 foot long table, right? You got the four by six. I mean, simple math suggests that the smaller the miniatures get, yes, the larger the you, you can put, you can put up comfortably, not piling them on. But having said that, I will, I will, last thing I'll say about this, Rich and I witnessed a very nice looking pike and shot game at Millennium Con yeah, using the Warlord rules. They did what a lot of people do with Hail Caesar and they reduced the unit sizes mm-hmm. and it made for them. Because back to the point that I was going to make about uh, To Kill a King, where the units combined and made one regiment. Well, one of the mechanics of the pike and shot rules from Warlord Games is issuing orders. And when we were already dealing with such small numbers of units, if you started yeah, combining them, you're issuing two orders. Like you yeah, know, you you right. simply don't have enough units to really feel like you're playing a game. Back to the complaint that we made of how we played Empire Third for all of those years. We we said in our Empire Third episode, we probably have never fairly judged them because we never had enough troops to play them at the level the rules were designed. We've since picked that's apart true. lots of other things about it, but that's still a reality. And if we had played um, To Kill a King on this small table with the small number of units, we would have been in that same category of never really playing the order segment of the Pike and Shot rules. Now with Epic Scale... And smaller, by the way. Again, I'm not, believe me, I don't get any commission selling epic scale pick pike and shot miniatures. John, yeah, if and, you're listening and, to me, we can work something not, out. They're uh, not funding no, right, no. this podcast at all. Not even under the table. I've tried. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it, they're going to be widely commercially available. They have some excellent like starter bundle deals going on right now. Yes. And if it is popular enough, you know, this is the one thing I will say about Warlord. If it doesn't do that well, it'll just go away and then you're going to be doubly screwed. I mean, there's always, uh, you know, 3D yeah. printing that you could print off some more 12.5 millimeter miniatures. Right. Um, but, you know, right now they're going to be, for the near future, highly available. So if you're yeah. interested in the time period... This is probably an excellent choice at that. And by the way, if you get the starter pack, it doesn't mean you have to play the game Pike and Shot. There are other games out there that are very popular. Say, for example, Pikeman's Lament, the Osprey book, and there's now a second edition, I believe, of that. Um, there's the Polymos rules that are... Yes. Um, Polymos is love-hate, right? They're they're old school. Yes, they're, they're very old school... Um, compared to what we're used to playing, they're they're very 
European and the way they, mm -hmm. they are constructed. Now, Palamos is currently under the process of upgrading all of their rule sets to making them more graphically appealing, more examples, more photographs. So that's definitely going to be an upgrade. But having said that, I've never played the Palamos hike and shot era rules, but they read very well. I mean, they read very yeah. boringly because they're just really pretty dry little rules to read, they're but they look dry. like they'll play well. And there's nothing in the world that says you can't get these cool new miniatures and use them with virtually any system out there. So there's a lot of upside currently if you're wanting to try Pike and Shot era rules. The biggest thing I see about this is we finally seem to have hit this at the right time. Uh, I felt like we couldn't take advantage of the other Epic series because we had such large collections of their two period, two previous lines right. in extensive 15-millimeter collections. Right. It had been doing it just to do it. And what, 15 and 12 and a We've half? We've never done that before. Over three and a half. <laughs> not to that scale. Right. Uh, you know, three and a half millimeters, and I'm not going to, you know, no. I don't see the need in having to ditch one to go for the other. They literally it's, hit the one-two punch of the two largest collections of miniatures yeah. that this group owns. That we've had for years, decades. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This one... We don't have anything like that. We have no 15 right. uh, uh, 30 Years War, English Civil War uh, castings. And I see a big enough difference between the 12 and a half and the 28s to have some interesting gaming opportunities. And, there. and had they done what a lot of people were expecting them to do and release this as Hail Caesar, it would have been even more so because those are other armies we've never really touched on, yes. ancient armies, and yeah. that probably would have been full in there. But I don't want to make this an episode about warlords epic pike and shot we're talking about if people want to get interested in yeah. the the era yeah so ray being the one who really brought us more into it tell me in your words like what I, I gaming wise is appealing thing okay well in getting into it mm -hmm. I, I i think one of the first things that that you need to settle on is exactly what you want to play mm -hmm. 30 years war isn't as, as similar as it seems and looks, isn't English Civil War? No, it is different. There, yeah. there's, there's a lot of differences. Technologically, here. English Civil War is the culmination of what was learned yes, on the it, continent. It, it exactly it it by the English Civil War, a lot of things were becoming much more refined. Mm -hmm. Um. So you got to start somewhere and, and you really kind of need to tailor what you're building towards that. Uh, another thing you need to be aware of is, especially for people who are used to playing um, things like American Civil War, even Napoleonics, you're going to have a lot more cavalry. Yes. So be prepared 50, to 50. a lot of little horsies. Yeah. 50-50 at go, least. Yeah, it, you've got a lot more cavalry involved. Another thing, though, you don't have in 30 Years War that you do in English Civil War is, uh, how do I say this? Richard Harris is Oliver Cromwell. <laughs> As God is my witness, we shall take thee to the breath of heaven and never got this. Um, I have a very, I have. It's a fun movie. I have, I I see, I'm just going to say I see a lot of modern politics in that film. Yeah, I see a lot <laughs> and of I'm going to leave it at that. I see a lot of 
William Shatner esque overacting in that, but um, <laughs> well, that he had too. a better agent. But 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 into the point that we've talked about in many shows is like what is inspired you. I mean, I'm going to say that that stupid movie, in spite of the fact that it has little or no bearing on reality, um, it it inspired me to this time period of something I I knew very little about. <laughs> Sadly, that one scene from. The Spanish Musketeer with uh, uh, Vigo Mortensen <laughs> that shows Roquois, the, the big pike block. That's the coolest battle scene. If you don't know it on YouTube, I'll put a link. Uh, now, I'm going to tell you, I finally got a chance to rest, watch the rest of the movie. Though there is a debate going on about that battle scene. Oh, yeah. it, it seems that some people are now taking exception to the fact that so many of the Spanish soldiers had the rags oh. tied to the top of their heads. Oh, good Lord. And supposedly that wasn't a thing for Spanish soldiers. Okay. That well, was. I'm glad that we have that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like picking on, uh, you know, I don't know, band of brothers versus the battle of the bulge. All right. Let's, you know, um, but, you but know, anyway, yeah, yeah I watched the rest of that movie and it's not worth it. But that scene is amazing. Uh, Rich, what about it to you makes a, a compelling game or, you know, what's your interest level? Yeah. Where did it come from? I, so uh, my interest level came from the readings I, I had done. Uh, I did see the I did see Cromwell. I, <laughs> I enjoyed that movie. It's a fun movie. But but more so from the readings I had done uh, about that time period. And the conundrum for me and we struggled with this very same problem when we were playing Pike and Shot in 28. And to me, never really quite came to a solution. Is that proper mix between the two types of infantry that you have? And all the other games we play, you know, many of the other games we play, we have, you know, Napoleonics, we have American Civil War. Infantry is infantry. They all do the same kind of thing. They may be rated differently, but they all got a musket. Right. And you all use them for a very specific purpose. Right. And so here you've got that close combat armed infantry, you've got a. Uh, a missile firing type infantry, and it's it's that interaction and the balance to get those two to work together mm-hmm. to accomplish yeah. the mission you're trying mm-hmm. to do that intrigues me a lot about this time period. That's a good point. And you, in our games, I remember us. You know, you we always held the the, the pike the pike blocks back because we didn't want it to get shot up, and then when just the right time, you'd spring them forward, hopefully to generate the kind of combat you mm-hmm. needed. And it was about it was a game of timing. You put them forward. Too fast, they got, yeah, just got, they shot, got up. shot up. Yeah, uh, and you wait too late, and it was too late for them to accomplish the objective or do anything. And so that's the interaction I like. Yes, yeah. there's that cavalry piece. You de-emphasize the artillery a whole bunch. It's still there. But yeah, you don't have grand batteries like nope. you did in Napoleon. No, it's just shooting and dominating. Right, it's more of a morale thing battery. than it is a yeah, than guns. A, far more of a morale. But I, oh. I think the fact that you have, like Richard was saying, you have two very distinct types of infantry mm-hmm. that are tied together in and how they're supposed to work. Mm-hmm. But they're tied together and that oh, was your problem. And that's my problem is like Richard said, our game sort of evolved to the point where all the muskets ran up front, the pikes, the chosen men, way, yeah, the rifle battalion. <laughs> yeah. The, the pikes held way Bastard. back and they, they, it, Became very Mulberryan. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it just, well, and and that's our, this brings up another great. And point. that was the whole thing is is how to unlearn what we learned and and what worked and bring us back to that 
and, and you alluded evolved way of doing things. You alluded to this earlier, and it it really was eye opening to me because this was not a time period that I was well versed in. That you know, we talk about oh, black powder is too big a time period for rule set. But you know what, pocket shots almost the same. So it, it's really bridging almost purely medieval pokey stick fighting. Yes, with musketry because you know the the we're going from the end of the war of the roses, roses right to the war of the spanish succession yes. yeah <laughs> exactly because i was just going to say you know we've talked about a number of times i have two six millimeter war of the spanish succession armies and we've debated back and forth as to using black powder or pike and shot as the rule system i still lean a little bit toward black powder but i mean you still have a small percentage of pikes in some of those armies, you know, I, it's... I think, for me, which way you want to go, if you're playing Wars of the Roses, it, it depends on whether you want to put artillery in right. it or not. Right, so at those, at those far ends, you could play them either way. You, you War of the Roses could be a medieval set of rules, or it could be a pike and shot set of rules, yes. and Spanish Succession could almost be a pike and shot set of rules, and as, probably the earliest the version of a, of a black powder or a musket rule... Um, within the warlord book, they've got the the Italian wars of religion and, you know, all of these kind of things, which, which I think, well, the French wars of religion, it, it, yeah, yeah. that whole mm -hmm. period, just this, the whole 17th century in general is to me just a fascinating period. The, yeah. the tail end of, of the Renaissance all the way up. Yep. So through the war of Spanish secession. If you're getting ready to start this time period, understand that number one, you're not going to be painting um, necessarily highly uniformed groups of people. Although I nope. tend to think they're more uniform than I first thought they were. But defining uniform maybe is the I was key to that. Say, it depends on how yeah. you want to define. But you know, you're talking uniform. about Swiss mercenaries. Early. That's how rich the colonel was. That's right. And then you start talking about, you know, going back to the Italian wars, you're going to have some crazy painting to do. Um, it's it's artistically, I think it's a very uh, beautiful time period to work with the big hats and plumes and, and huge if you love flags. flags. Yeah. yeah. If you love flags, it, it's that that just really makes the army because you can have. 70 flags. A dozen yeah. flags in one unit. <laughs> right, right. So so here's the next thing I'm going to go to, and I'm not going to scare anybody away from this, but I will tell you one huge drawback in the time period, and from this time period going backwards in many armies, if you're toting these guys around, 28-millimeter pikes are not fun to store and travel with. And also, be very careful when you reach across the table <laughs> to do anything. I wish I would have taken a picture of my little stand of pikemen hanging from your bleeding arm <laughs> when you reached across the table and they impaled your forearm. Yes, more than once. Invest in some Band-Aids. Invest in Band-Aids, <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, my pike and shot armies have taken some terrible abuse because, number one, we used them a lot for a while. But number two, I mean, they're just so doggone hard to carry around with those. I mean, you know, yeah. you're talking about a 
four or five inch pike on a casting. So another great advantage to epic scale or six mil and the few six mil that I painted, I actually used uh, floral wire. I replaced the little oh, wow. white metal okay. pikes and they're going to bend like crazy, but you can, you're not going to die. Right, right. Right. And you can move them around in a tray better than, because I mean, this goes back to medieval phalanxes and whatever, anything where you're going to have just the, the, you know, the little ocean of pikes, uh, you know, think about how you're storing them because that, that is a thing. Nobody wants to play that game when they get into a army, but mm-hmm. where are you going to put them? Rich, you got a house that it's getting full of miniature. It's, it's beginning to stock up. Yeah. I'm running out of places to put things, but, yep. uh, yeah, you're going to, if, which is why, you know, I, in my mind, the 28s can kind of stay where they're at. I've kind of got the pieces for that. And I can see some bigger lines with uh, some sort of epic scale because the transportability of that. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they're... you're getting real deep carrying containers. And, and also yeah. talking about the appropriate percentage of cav versus infantry is yet another large storage compart- component mm-hmm. of 28 mil armies. Not, yeah. not against another 28. If you've got the space for it, they look spectacular. They, they are awesome. But yes, they they are they place a premium on space vertically and yeah. horizontally. Yeah. They take up a ton of you know, we talked about that on the tabletop, getting a, a table space big enough. You know, so you know so using the warlord example of a, a full sized pike and shot unit, you know, two sleeves of pikes mm-hmm. and I think you're talking about a, a unit that's 12 to 16 inches long. Yeah, we've done the measure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We said, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, that, you know. I'd say 12 inches is yeah, let, let's close just use, to being So let's average. just say a foot, okay? So that yeah. means on a six four by six table, you get six of them across the table, shoulder to shoulder. You know, it, it's, it's limiting. It can be limiting at that point. If you cut that in half to, you know, epic scale, mm-hmm. then you get 12 of them across. And now you're probably more in the realm of a larger battle, battle right. right? You go six mil, you're going to go do even better. So that's, that's a thing. So, um, miniature companies, um, no, we talked about, you know, warlords, what they're going to mm-hmm. do, but warlord has an extensive range of 28 mil yes. for the wars of religion and the pike and shot. And they even, they've got Spanish succession, but they're, one of those earlier manufacturers that they uh, contracted I'm, with, I, and they're horrid. Do they even still have those? <laughs> uh, they're out there, I think, but they're really bad. They're yeah, really bad. They, the giraffe they, necks and the yeah, yeah they're they, not good. Though I I I wanted to get those several times, but yeah. every time I'd pick them up and look at them, I'd yeah. wind up putting them back. I, I, I'd, I'm I'd, sure with a little work, they can be made to look beautifully, but. It's already a little work to paint an army. I'm not going to like modify if I don't have to. Yeah, I I'd say I'm pretty forgiving on miniatures. I I own some stuff that's probably not the best out there and I'm I'm happy with it, but those really just kind of fell over yeah, just I know, enough I, I, into I the. Crap. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if well, I can stick it together, a third arm off the back. I'm doing it because well, you know what? You put them all together, and you can't tell. Uh, other than struggling no, to figure I think out, you could tell. <laughs> other than no instructions on 
on putting together the pike and shot plastic <laughs> stuff from Warlord. Once cool. you did, they went together very easily. Yes. 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 Once yeah. you once you kind of got it sorted out, they they just kind of fall together. You know, so many miniatures come with heads with different kinds of hats, but these particular ones have full heads, and you put different hats on them. But did anybody notice that the little pike and shot head without a hat looks like a uh, 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 what is it? Uh, um, what's his name from? Uh, um, I kind of like the little ball guy. I actually. Time is fleeting. I, I, yeah. all, all I'm thinking is the time uh, warp. All I'm thinking of is Rocky Horror Picture Show and, oh, what's the, I can't think of the guy's oh, name now, man. the long gray hair. It's just a jump to the left. Anyway, you'll come up with it. Uh, man, y'all spend yeah. way too much time looking at these things, man. <laughs> but hey, I actually, I actually left. I, I actually left one though, of so the. There you go. I actually left one of the little miniatures without his hat because I like the little bald spot that he had. Yeah. I, I thought it just yeah yeah no he's, he's a good looking thing. miniature, but I couldn't get away from the the little uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show look that he had. Uh, but you didn't have any trouble putting uh, together after you figured out where they right, went. Right. Once you got the system down, they went together pretty well. So yeah, that, no problems. They're 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 well done. I mean, they are well done. They have a, an extensive line of of metal. Uh, Riff Raff, by the way, was the name of the character. Well, Riff Raff was the character. I can't think of the. Actors. Oh, I don't care about actors' name. Anyway, um, <laughs> and they have an extensive line of medals that carry into the Irish and the Scots, mm -hmm. and uh, they have stuff for the wars of religion in metal and twenty-eight millimeter. I can't say enough about Empress miniatures. Lots of people make flags for them. For oh yeah, flags all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So you, flags you of can, war, and you can deck them out. You yeah. you can make them one of the more impressive armies mm -hmm. in your collection if if you really want to go out. In, in 15 mil, there's still a number of manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Way back, you had the Dixons, which were not great looking, but we had a ton of those. Uh, minifigs way back when made I, them. I had, a, I had a large minifigs English mm -hmm. Civil Army that never got played. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And then six millimeter Bacchus makes a, a lovely line of of miniatures. Yes, so have, yeah, you're spoiled for choices when it comes to yeah yeah. I, 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 not companies. to mention the epic scale warlord stuff, the thirteen the newest five. Yeah. yeah. So you, you if if this is a, a time period you want to get into, number one, I think it is a great time to do it, and I think you do have a, a remarkable amount of choices yeah. in how you want to do it, and that that's always good. Mm -hmm. Choices I, are always good. I think. One other thing about the the new uh, epic stuff from Warlord mm -hmm. is I noticed on one of the blurbs uh, in the advertising, and, and I we don't know much more than than the official stuff from Warlord. They haven't give us any background, um, so I don't know how they're doing it. But they did have a blurb in one of the advertisements that. With the new epic stuff and the new rules, the way the rules have been updated, mm -hmm. you should be able to play larger battles like Marston Moore, mm. okay, I'd, Edge Hill, things like that. What what Warlord had? So they, they're using that as part of the advertising. All right. So I I. But they kind of said kind of high hopes about. They kind of said the same thing that, about the ACW too, and it just made really they? big units, but. Um, we'll see. We'll see because in the previous releases, what Warlord, I'm curious. yeah, what what Warlord had done was give you a rule book that had the supplement for that particular thing 
drizzled into it. So when you got ACW, you got their basic black powder have, with Glory Hallelujah. And they may have done the same thing and, and, here. Yeah, and, and that's good too. But yeah, hopefully. if there's something different that makes them a little more so, then you can do that. But like I said earlier, nothing says you have to use those Warlord rules with these miniatures. That's the true. miniatures look good. And uh, again, they're going to be highly available. So, you know, move forward. If this is a pair you want to get started in, um, Ray, I know you've got one good book that you really kind of that atlas, right? The, I've got a hand. Well, Richard's the one that turned me on to the atlas. All right, Rich, tell yeah, us about I, that. What's a good source? I've devoured resource? that atlas. I, um, a couple of ones. I, I had a couple of autobiographies on, on Fairfax. But the atlas is the one, if you like the battlefields, I can't even remember where it's from. I remember I got it through Amazon, seen it on one of the sites. We'll put it in a link in the show okay. notes. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it does it's a good an excellent atlas. Of showing and the battles and the maneuvers. And I think that's where it got into race, began his, his psyche, that our games weren't kind of mirroring or looking well, like. that's right, when I actually had ammunition to go, look. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're playing just this little corner over here. Right? <laughs> we're okay. <laughs> but, uh, but We're uh, playing these three guys. Rest of the army's off on its own. Yeah, no, but it gave a really good synopsis of what's going on. Uh, 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 very obscure battles, gives you lots of different orders of battles. So really good for scenario generation. Uh, it's, I think especially if you're playing with some of the smaller miniatures and you can get more onto the table. Yeah. One of the things I think about going the English Civil War route versus the Thirty Years' War, although I'm interested in both, um, you're dealing with a very... You know, it's England, and it's mostly the south of England. You're dealing with a relatively small campaigning area for the English Civil War. I mean, hell, if it's from Scotland to the ocean, it's not that big an area. Um, if you really wanted to put in the effort to, we're from Texas, just leave it at that, right? We could <laughs> yes. literally drive and not, we could drive through the depth of England and still not be out of Texas. Um but I think that would would lend itself very well to a campaign system. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, if you did that in Thirty Years' War, you'd have to pick a kind of a little theater of the mini theaters that was the seven the Thirty Years' War. Well, I know that's Bohemia. I'm, I'm you know. interested in in pursuing this if we go, and we've talked about it. You know, focusing our next endeavor into this time period being Thirty Years' War. I don't know as much about that conflict as I do with the English Civil War. And I'm looking forward to discovering and doing some readings about that time period as well. Yeah, yeah. Thirty Years' War. I I first started learning about the Thirty Years' War because when I was younger, I was given the Three Musketeers, and when I read it, I I was thoroughly taken with it. And so I got curious about, you know, I kept referring to stuff in it. So I started reading on it. Um, Wedgwood had a book. Yes, yeah, see, Wedgwood. Don't That's remember. Some good, yeah. Wedgwood's book titled appropriately The 30 Years War. Yeah. Um, if you're going to look it up, was my real introduction into it. And. Yes. Also got quite a few titles on the English Civil War as well, yes. the King's Coffin and so on and so forth. Really good reading. Yeah. So, so it, 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 I, I just love that time period. Hop on Amazon. You you have a lot of choices okay. when you dig into And there into are a those. lot more choices now than there was back in the day when I first started because, as I recall, you 
you could pick any book you wanted as long as it was Wedgwood's The 30 Very Years. Good. Well, and right. also for, <laughs> for the listeners, if they have any recommendations, please put in the comments. Absolutely. Yes. And, Absolutely. Uh, I'm always looking for a new good book. Here's, here's the interesting thing, period. particularly about English Civil War, is that it is very regional, where I've, even in the age of the internet, I struggled sometimes to find sources for things. Then you find these English sources. That, I mean, Okay, so just for inspiration, look up like the Facebook group for the Sealed Knot Society, which is their kind of yeah. reenacting group. They have some of just the most remarkable photography that really is inspiring about, you know, how to paint some of these things. And that's a huge part about this, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's a miniature. Otherwise, go get a board game, right? You know, we're ma painting awesome little miniatures <laughs> to make it look like these things. So um, that's kind of it. If, you, if you're interested in the time period, I think this is, like I said, this is the golden age right now to jump in for a number of reasons that aren't all start with the word warlord, but that certainly doesn't <laughs> hurt. Um, we'll have links in the show notes about some of the movies and books that we've talked about. And uh, definitely, like Richard says, if you've got uh, sources that you know, um, jump on our Facebook page and, and let us know what they are. I, I got two last things sure. to add. We'll let you finish it up. First of all, I'm going to I'm going to call you out on Cromwell. Okay. Because. How dare Alec, you call me out for the. For Alec, the Guinness, Alec Guinness was more King Charles than King Charles was. Well, true. The, the, it's the, it's, if there's a balance in acting, right? What, what finally <laughs> brought the Richard Harris crazy down was the Alec Guinness amazing Charles I cannot Charles read the first. Yes. any book about the English and not hear that voice. and not picture Alec Guinness. Yes. That. The second thing is, if you're looking for any reason to, to get into this time period, my personal fascination, look up a book on Prince Rupert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the man is probably one of the most fascinating people yeah. That ever lived. I mean, he was. If it would have been a beer commercial, he would have been the most interesting man in Europe. <laughs> he was more With or without interesting. His dog. He was more <laughs> interesting than the most interesting man. He he, yeah. he was leading troops in battle when he was like what sixteen. Yeah. Moved on to to command armies when he was like twenty one. Yeah. Got. You know, nothing went well for him. No. I mean, no. he made a name for himself. Yep. Hey. In this. And then so how many times in you the get restoration, he goes on to become <laughs> one of the better admirals of the period. <laughs> right. If they would have just man, lived if he would have lived long enough for an air force, he would have been an ace pilot. <laughs> yeah. And then he moves then he moves to the United States or what becomes the United States later and I mean, he has he a built the fascinating life. Did he have his dog still? Yeah. <laughs> he was stuffed, no. stuffed maybe, walking around with a stuffed dog. <laughs> no. Boy was rounded up by the Protestants and, and you know, Eaten. burned, burned <laughs> for being a witch. Um, yeah. Rough life being a dog. Since Boy single-handedly, you know, foiled most of their battle plan. That's right, of course. <laughs> Oh, dear God, save us from this show. <laughs> In the name of God, we will find a way. This has been Anything But a One. 
Adventures in Historical Miniature Wargaming. Subscribe on all major podcatchers and please rate and review us. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ABA and the number one. Patreon.com slash ABA1. See you next time.